Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. A nice role in a big movie like Game Night and had a nice role on a network sitcom for many years. And I'm the star of this Hulu thing. Are you able to walk into pretty much any office in the game? Be like, yo, I'm Lamorne. This is what I like to do. And people want to like, I will at least listen to you because you've had so much success. The listening part. Yes. Getting the getting the approval and getting greenlit. That's hard for anybody. Yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, it has it has made life a little bit easier on, you know, every actor's dream is to not have to audition and just, you know, get offers and read scripts. Your job for this week is to read a bunch of scripts and then pick one. Like that would be a dream job for me. Um, and it happens every once in a while. You, you, we, we do get offers, you know, we're juggling some offers right now. And that does happen over time. But simultaneously there are certain things you definitely want to fight for lamorne morris is a great young actor on the rise who stars in hulu's woke he was also in game night he was also in new girl he is blowing up and it is a thrill to see it because i have known him since his earliest days in tv when we were both at bet so i am thrilled to talk to him about woke about acting about how he learned how to get into all this into comedy and how he's taking care of his mother after a difficult childhood you can get half of this episode for free for the other half for the whole thing which gets into deep Fun, amazing stuff with Lamorne. Go to patreon.com slash Torre show and sign up and subscribe. And for just $5 a month, you'll get this and our Friday Patreon exclusives. Let's dig in. It's Lamorne Morris on Torre show. The folks don't know that me and Lamorne go back like babies in pacifiers because we were at BET together about 30 years ago. He only looks young. He's very, very old in reality. Um, But it's amazing to see you at the start of your career. And now you got a show that's built around you called Woke. Yes. Yes, I do. On the Hulu network. It's a very funny show. Start me at the beginning of how this show came about. Was it Lamorne goes into Hulu and they're like, 
we got to build something around you? Or did the, the <laughs> did the idea exist and you came into it? Yeah, the idea the idea existed and I came into it. Um, I remember around the same time Hulu they were buying a couple of shows. I was pitching a completely different show to them that they passed on uh, called Dad One Hundred and One about a, 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 a black dad who, who you know wants to break the mold of stereotypes and says, you know, what, I haven't seen my kid in so long. I'm going to go to college with him, and you know, and I'm it's like Rodney Dangerfield's back to school. Love so that, that was something that we were pitching, and the kid hates him, and whatever, and they have to get along. So it had this, still had this kind of had black tones to it and black themes to it, and I know they were looking for some, they were trying to dive more into our into our space and figure out how we could they can work more with 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 black folks essentially. And but I didn't. They passed on that show, and I didn't know that the reason they had passed on that show uh, was because they had woke that they were about to do as well. And they were like, "Well, we really like woke more than we liked the other show," so they picked up woke instead. You know, started going through their process and all that. My show ends up over at TBS. It doesn't go. I then come back, audition for woke, and get it. Um, now it's interesting. I always liked the idea of woke because it it kind of fit who I was as a as a you know performer and just as a person in general, a guy who's always aware of what's happening, but really had no driving force to, behind like talking about it or seeing how I could make a difference in you know in in certain parts of our community and you know I never I've never been a political guy I've never took a dive into politics, um, social issues. I was never, never really that dude. And I'm still learning. I'm still like trying to figure it out. And when I read the script, it, I just, he just sounded like me, you know, he's like, I just want to do my art and, you know, kind of go home and play video games or hang out with my friends and, you know, do that type of stuff until one day he's kind of called to action. And, um, and I feel that journey was very similar to mine, which is why, which is why I kind of, leapt at the opportunity to be a part of this show i mean the first thing everybody wants to talk about is the trash can is talking and the pencil is talking but Mm -hmm. to me that's less important than this long ongoing conversation that he's having about who do i want to be as a black artist in the world and there's other people around him who are saying why aren't you blacker and other people are like why don't you just do whatever you want to do and it's this Mm -hmm. sort of thing that I think that you're going through, but a lot of artists go through of like, how black do I need to be to be in yeah. service to who I really am? Right, right. And for me, it took, I mean, it took a series of events, obviously, throughout the course of my life to to kind of get there. It wasn't one particular incident that made me say, man, that's kind of messed up. <laughs> you know, how, how do I, how do I at a grassroots level try to create some sort of change on a local level you know and it took a it took a while you know it goes back to chicago days when i was performing at second city even before bet we started to notice these microaggressions you know things that would happen to me that would make me go that was really weird all right you know on one hand on the other side of the coin obviously you go further south or you go to certain parts of the the country blatant racist shit is just happening to people you know, but for me, it was really, they were really small. They were just, you know, these little things, these little slights, these, you don't sound black, you know, you know, um, 
you're right. Why don't you do more? You know, if I'm black, I would hear from white folks every once in a while. Some of my friends, they would go, man, I'm blacker than you. Stuff like See, that, that, that's that what woke is diving out. into, not yeah. whiteness, right? Not microaggressions from white people, but black people yeah. saying, why aren't you blacker? And who could you really be? Exactly. Exactly. And that's something that we don't touch on often, you know, especially in this medium of television and film. We talk a lot about the opposite side, you know, the, the, the oppression and aggression from the other side. You know, I was working on something where I was talking about, you know, a 13-year-old nerdy black kid you know, watching cartoons, what type of cartoons would they watch? You know, do they have anyone that they can identify with um, when they watch it? Is it cool to be a comic book geek as a young black kid? And now more and more we're seeing this emergence of that. And, and, I, and I think it's really cool. And I think a show like this kind of addresses some of the, addresses some of those, again, microaggressions that will happen internally in our own communities well what are you saying you have been through in your you started saying it but what have your what are you oh, really yeah. saying that you've been through in your life that mirrors what your character is going through in woke a few things so there's on one there's the relationship aspect you know where he's you know he, he dates everyone you know his girlfriend's black then they break up then he gets a white girlfriend but then he's getting slack and he's taking some heat and he and, and internally feels a little bit ashamed. He's like, well, uh, should I, I have to blackface her really quick so I don't lose. So, you know, so I don't lose my audience over here. And that happens a lot. Um, that, that, that has happened to me before. I mean, I, again, I date every, I'm <laughs> an equal opportunity dater and I've, and this is like, mostly date black women. But if you don't date, a, if, you, if you're not seen at one particular time with a black woman, then, you know, how social media gets, you know, people get, it, it starts to pile on you where you're like, man, I just really like the girl that I'm dating. <laughs> like, you know, my ex was black. I might date a black, like, do I, why do I have, the, the need to explain these things starts to happen and you, and you feel, you feel kind of constricted in your movement. You can't really freely move about the cabin, you know, <laughs> You get you, you're an economy, sir. So stay your ass in the back. Like, all right, cool. Like you're trying to be, you know, a free roamer and just have fun and be free, but you sometimes can't. So that's one element of of his journey. Um, and talking to and talking with Keith about it, you know, he expresses similar feelings. You know, he was like, my wife just happens to be white. You know, he's like, that was the woman at the time I fell in love with, and I still do. He's like, we have beautiful kids. Like, I don't have to explain that to anybody. And the, and the fact that we still have to talk about that was a little concerning to him. Um, and But totally understands why. You know, he gets the sentiment. He understands what that is. But in his particular case, it's just different. And that's one, that's one aspect of it. Um, for me, um, another aspect of it is, you know, something happened to him with police. Um, I had numerous encounters with police um, that were almost as aggressive as the one that we see in the show. Really? Yeah. You know, I, I remember leaving a show, uh, performing at Second City in Chicago. Me and a buddy were both wearing suits, like full suits, you know, tie, blazer, pants, shoes, the whole thing. Walking down the street, I was 19, I want to say, maybe 19 or 20. And uh, at the time back then, too, my girlfriend was Jewish. And I remember us walking down the street and the police pull up on us and they pull guns on us and make us get on the ground. And we're like, well, what is going on? So we get on the ground, they even pick us off the ground, put us on the hood of the car. They cuff us and the older cop is now 
frisk, uh, the older cop is now telling the younger cop the proper way to frisk us. And he's like, you get his back pocket? And he's like, oh, yeah. So he goes back pocket. He's like, all right, toss him in the hood of the car. And he's like, whose car is this? Like, it's my car. And he starts screaming, whose car is this? It's my car. My girlfriend at the time is not cuffed. She's just. And sitting. you are. I'm cuffed. Me and my buddy are cuffed. And he goes, we have reports of um, someone breaking into cars in this neighborhood. And I was like, were they wearing suits? <laughs> I could see why this would be a confusion, sir. <laughs> if they were also wearing suits, yeah, that's, oh man, I totally get it. You're justified. And uh, I just remember him then asking her if she was okay and asking her if she, if she knew whose car it was. And it was this whole, like, what are you, like, what is going on? And this is one of the first times this happened to me. Obviously, as a kid, you know, you, you, you see police, you run. Like, that's just a thing that you live in in certain neighborhoods. You just feel like, you know, that's, that's how I was raised and brought up. But then, you know, when this happens to you, you're like, oh, it's real. Oh, this is like a real thing, you know, especially because in those middle years, you know, you kind of grow up a little bit. You don't have any encounters and you just feel like, and everything is fine. Like that doesn't happen to me. Uh, I'm a nice guy, you know, like that. I, you know, but then it happens to you and, you know, and it starts to form the way you think it starts to form uh, your opinions. Um, they, they just took off. They left, uncuffed us and then didn't say a word, just drove off. Um, and obviously things like that happen over and over and over again, like smaller ones. Um, but to be fair, I've had more positive encounters. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like. Yeah, but but, but that you, affects you your character. How did that affect you? So that affected me in. I, I'm just more aware. I'm just more aware that it doesn't there. There is no privilege, you know, with skin color. You know, it's like and it, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, you do have to always remain aware when you're around certain officers. You know what I'm saying? You have to value your life first and go, okay, hands out the window, however you want to do it. Get your phone. Like I'm not that dude, but I, it sucks that I, when they roll up, I put my phone out. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, we've seen a million examples. Like, what, what, you know what I'm saying? And, prior, it, and I'll tell you, prior to that, when I would see stuff on TV, I would just be like, man, that sucks. That's crazy. Well, I know it's not going to happen to me. Mm. So I don't, you know, I don't live in that neighborhood anymore. I don't, I'm not on the South side of Chicago anymore. Mm. And you literally start to forget, like you start to forget, like, yo, that that's happening to your cousin still, you know, that's happening to your uncle still, yeah. your niece still, your niece had a run in like that's still, they live in a certain neighborhood, but you move to the burbs doesn't mean that that shit can't, that shit can't happen to you. So that's how it, that's what formed. That's, that's what it did to me. So you were saying we, we took a diversion, but you were saying how, the issue that your character is dealing with in terms of mm-hmm. black people saying, how black can you be? That's part of your mm-hmm. journey. So continue that part of the story. Yes. Um, I, I'm not going to say who said this, but I once did a movie. Um, and I remember having uh, one of the actors say, you, 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 you talk black or you talk white. You sound like a white boy. When a you black talk. actor saying to you, talk a black about. actor saying that to me in the scene and or right after a scene. And I was just kind of like, and it threw me off a little bit. So as a bit, I just started like mocking what she was saying in the scene and like kind of going back and forth. And it became a little bit 
like this, you know, and that, and that, that was one of the first times where even in our own medium, where you would hear something like that. And you're like, man, I, I, so I speak with a certain, I don't know, like a, a certain level of intelligence, like very minimal level of intelligence. And that means I'm white. So what's the opposite of that? I mean, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's partly the tone. I think it's partly the articulation. I think there's mm-hmm. some perhaps ineffable thing that I'm just not performing vocally that, yeah. you know, other guys <laughs> from wherever are. I mean, like, yeah. you know, it, 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 it definitely hurts to hear that. But then mm-hmm. I'm also like, what does that mean? Like, is, yeah. there's a white way of talking and I'm right. not performing blackness in the way I've t- like, really? How's that? Right. Exactly. Um, and that's something that, you know, you hear it, you see it. Like my cousins, when I, when, when I was like 15, we moved to the Burbs. So my cousins would always call me white boy as a joke. It's because some of my friends were white. But then that Southside accent kind of leaves 10 years in, 10 years removed. And then you're like, oh, you sound white. Like, you know, you, you talk white, you dress white. You, like, this doesn't make any sense to me. And you struggle with that a little bit in your younger years. Obviously, the older we get, we understand what people are trying to say. And we can take it and go, whatever, dude. Um, but, you know, when, when you're doing it happens to you on set, it kind of, I don't know, kind of, it's kind of strange. It kind of throws you for a loop a little bit, especially, especially when you were cast in that character for a reason mm. to speak the way you speak, mm. you know? So I'm like, I, well, I'm not going to change my character here, you know, just to a, a, appease your thought process on what black is. You know, I don't want to like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. So that was, that was another element um, of how my, of how some of those microaggressions have happened in my later years in life that can form, you know, my opinion now. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, 
resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Hey, peeps. It's your girl, Danielle Moody, host of Woke AF Daily. Every weekday, I'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country. Check me out now at patreon.com slash woke AF. Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Sashir Zameda from SNL has a really interesting and important role in the show in that yeah you run into this hotep community for like one mm-hmm. episode which shapes you but she yeah. seems to be like the 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 blackest person in the in the main cast of characters and you're sort of mm-hmm. like perform like bouncing off of her like is this okay and she's like you know, like, like I, yeah. I'm the gold standard for blackness, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of interesting. I kind of love her in that role. Oh yeah. No, she's great. Oh my God. So even more than anything, when I, when I first heard she was going to be on the show, it was one of those moments of, it, it took me back to my performing on stage uh, at second city uh, moments because you got to play a lot more. She, she comes with this level of improvising, that's unseen, like unheard of before. Like we get, we, like there were times when we would, we would be improvising and I would say something that I knew was completely ridiculous and thinking like, she'll just move on past this dumbass comment that I said. And she bounces and hits it right back at me. And I, and I'm the one who drops the ball. And I'm like, this is my wheelhouse. <laughs> she is killing you right now. She is so funny. Um, that scene in Oakland uh, was was kind of it's kind of the point of the show, right? It's kind of that it, it, my character comes to a a a point where he's like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing on this side. I'm told I'm too white. You know, white people say I'm too black. They're darkening my photo. They're doing all these things. They're you know, where do I fit? And so he figures this is the this is the location I should be. Bunch of cool hip trendy black folks in the art scene that's really going to validate me. This is my wheelhouse. And then when he gets there, he starts to struggle again, you know? And I, and I think Sashir's character definitely is that, is that, um, 
is that variable that we can use to see, or, or what do you call it? The, um, is it not benchmark? The, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She's the, she's the standard, right. Of, yeah. of what I should be. And I keep sliding back and forth between, you know, using her advice, using black noir's advice, using my marker's advice, um, and so she is always that constant. Um, it is kind of interesting the that the world is talking back to you. And I thought that it would be like, oh, he took some drug that is causing him to think. But no, it's just like, it's kind of like the world just starts talking to you and you're yeah. having a conversation with your pen and having a conversation yeah. with the trash can. And It's like the information's already there. It's already there. We all have this ability to figure it out for ourselves. We do. Um, but sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes we don't know. And I think um, we're just personifying uh, his, his, his thoughts, or I guess you couldn't say personifying if they're inanimate objects, but <laughs> they're, you know what I mean? Yes. They're, 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 they're now speaking to him. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's all, that it's all up here. It's all up here. That, that, that thing that we're all searching for, is, the evidence is all around you. That barbershop changed. You just kept walking past it. You know, you didn't see what's going on. It's like back to what we were talking about earlier, even for me, going back to when you go back to Chicago and you go into certain neighborhoods and you go to a grocery store and you go, man, the produce aisle is bare. It is awfully thin in this growth. I've never heard of any of these brands of cookies. Holy shit, what are these ingredients? And you're looking at it like, this is what they're feeding us, man. Like, this is what they're feeding us. And they never, you never look at it. You never look no, at it. I remember being in Baltimore um, for like a week when I was covering uh, the Freddie Gray uprising. Mm-hmm. And there was this little, we in New York, we call it a bodega, corner store, whatever, um, that we kept going to. And finally, and it was like no produce in there. And, you know, yeah. my producer was like, where would you get like fresh produce around here? And so we asked the sister like, yo, where would you go if you want to get like fresh? And she was like, well, you could take the 79 bus to the B2 bus and then walk. And then you could get bananas at Seatown or whatever. I'm like, wow. wow. Like, you and, do and, all and, that. and that we're in a food desert and like nobody talks about the impact of everybody in a given community never mm-hmm. eating fresh fruit and vegetables and always mm-hmm. eating uh, like fried food from, you know, the Chinese food, Chinese food store or the McDonald's right. or what have you like that mm-hmm. has an impact on everybody. Well, on everybody. And people, 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 people don't, we start at a disadvantage, especially our kids, man. In the educational system, when kids go to school hungry or they go to school, maybe a little bit um, sloppy, They've been eating a lot of greasy foods, a lot of fattening foods that don't necessarily add to their brain functionality. You know what I mean? And they're at a disadvantage. And we don't talk about that. We don't, we don't, we don't mention that when I go, so I'll give you an example. South side of Chicago, top of my class in school. Like I'm talking top of my class. Um, it was me and like four other students. We were always, we'd have, we, were, we were just so smart at the time. We would always just compete to see who's going to get better grades that it was like school was like this fun cool thing that we, we we just vibed with but you can only learn up to a certain degree of what you're being taught right you can only learn at the time from you know during that time from what our books were, were, were you know were teaching us i move 35 minutes west to the western suburbs of chicago 
bottom of my class, like overnight, like, like quickly. I'm in, they're telling me that the curriculum that I, that I need to learn is two years ahead. And like, what are you talking about? Two years ahead. So I had to play a lot of catch up as soon as I got there of, of trying to figure out, you know, calculus and trying to figure out, you know, chemistry. We had no chemistry classes when I was on the South side of Chicago. I get to, I get to the burbs and people are doing all kinds of stuff. Computer lab. We didn't have computers. You know, I was the, everyone's coding and learning how to build websites. I was the one, this is not a joke, trying like, I was the one so fascinated at the idea that I can print out a photo of Vince Carter and Michael Jordan. I still have them. I still, I was like these black and white pictures that I have in like a book that was a huge basketball fan and trading cards. And I was like, look, that's Vince Carter coming out of the computer machine. Guys, this is magic. What kind of witchcraft are y'all doing over here? White people are witches. You know, <laughs> I was like, and the people were looking at me like, this poor Negro, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, what the fuck is going on, man? Why is that the case? Why, why are we such, like, why, why don't people address that more? How far behind our kids start they're, they're, the, the playing field is a bit on, you know, the, 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 the wage gap is huge. The education gap is huge. Um, and I think that, uh, I forget how we got on that subject, but yeah, um, that sucks. <laughs> One thing I noticed in the show, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels to me like you are generally the straight guy mm-hmm. setting up other people for the punchline, be it Sashir yeah. or the pencil, which is JB Smoove is yep, playing the JB pencil, Smoove. right? Yep. Um, or who and and you are like looking at people like that was weird what you said, but he got the funny line or she got the funny line. Is that yeah. Is that accurate, and and why is that, and how does that feel to be constantly passing the ball to other to everybody else around you to get the the punchline? Initially, it was weird. Initially, it was weird. I was used to you know seven years on New Girl, for example. I got set up for a lot of jokes. You know, I always got to you know you know spike it down when people would set it up. That was always a a cool thing. And you know, being a performer, you just love getting the the laugh, right? But you know, you don't, there can't be a laugh without someone setting it up. And, you know, Jason Sudeikis is one of my favorite actors, favorite comedic actors. And he's a, you know, he's a, he's a straight man. He loves setting people up. You know what I mean? And it doesn't, and, and, and he's hilarious, right? So everything he does is great. That was something interesting for me to, to dive into. As a performer, I know how to set up, you know, being an improviser, that's part of your job is to set other people up. And I love doing it. It, it it would have been difficult if the cast wasn't funny, you know? And so I remember reading the script for the first time thinking, okay, well, he's the straight man in this. Is that something that I'm willing to do? Or, or, or is that, is that a, is that a, a lane that I'm willing to dive into for a series arc, not just an episode or whatever? I'm the whole. Se- what does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, 
I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Theories art. And absolutely. Like, I love doing it. We have so much fun on set. Um, doing bits and again if you have sashir in a scene for example it'll go back and forth because you'll set her up for something and then she's like uh-uh i'm gonna set you right back up then you're like no no i'm gonna set you back up then it's this really fun game you're playing um as long as the scene is meant to be funny and when you watch it you go man that scene was really funny i'm just happy to be in that scene and to are be you, how much how much improvising are you guys doing on set because you've talked about improvising a little bit generally when I ask people, they're like, no, 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 it's pretty much what it is on the page. But it, are you guys able to to play with I, it? And- yeah, I would say it's about 70-30, you know, 70% scripted. Um, and then 30%, the director will say, hey, guys, open it up. This last take, I just want to see you guys have some fun. You know the point of the scene. Don't worry about any lines. Let's see what we come up with. And then they use a lot of it, too. Uh, we got a character on the show named T. Murph and a guy uh, named Blake Anderson. They play Clovis and Gunther, um, my roommates. Those dudes <laughs> go at it. Like, we'll be, if we ever do a three-person scene, it's like, where the fuck are we in this script? <laughs> It'll be like, we'll go so far left, and they'll use a lot of it. There's a scene where my, they're describing how I could be killed at any given <laughs> moment. They're like, he could be eating a sandwich. Boom, pulls a gun out. He's dead. Blake and, and Mer- they were making that up. They were, the, I think two lines were written or something like that. They just kept adding stuff and they kept adding stuff. And so then I went and shot all that stuff based on what they said. Um, so, you know, again, it's, if you got, if you got the, if you got the, uh, if you got the team and the squad to do it, then you, I mean, directors love it, you know, especially Mo Marable, who's the executive producer and director of our show. That guy loves improv. He's like, that's his wheelhouse as well, you know. Tell me about um, some of your philosophies around comedy and what guides you in terms of what you think is good comedy, what you think is funny, and how you want to be to making us laugh. Well, it varies, you know. Uh, when I first started, you have this kind of general sense that make people laugh. So you get on stage and you ham it up, right? You just you kind of go full slapstick. You then notice that the whole tide of comedy changes um, every 10 years or so. You know, for a long time, the, um, you know, Will Ferrell, for example, he's to me is one of the funniest. But that, that style 
you know, Anchorman-ish kind of like weird, big, goofy, broad characters kind of went away, you know, with like you can even see the evolution of Martin, for example, how wild and crazy Martin was in the beginning. But in Bad Boys, he's just more chill. He's more grounded. You know, it's that it's a sexier type of comedy, a more grown adult type of comedy, smooth. And then you see it in, you know, John Apatow's camp, where it's just straight lace, just the comedy is more so in the writing than it is in crazy performances. Um, for me, I was living in those worlds. We, I, I study comedy. I, I'm a student of, you know, what's popular, what's not popular, the alternative comedy, something that's left of center. That's my wheelhouse. Not playing the, not playing the obvious. That's something that I really, really, really enjoy doing. Um, I love a lot of British humor. Um, so I feel like for me, you got to vary it up and you have to switch it up. So in, in different projects, when we're, when, when my team and I are talking about a comedy that we might do or a movie or a show that we might do, we'll look at the last one that I did and go, okay, well, in, in game night, for example, you were very kind of straight and you had a couple broad moments in it, but you were straight, straight man delivering straight material for the scene. All right. Well, in bloodshot, you know, you got to be this, Let's try something different. So we try it British, off-the-wall, manic kind of humor. Love that as well. You know, New Girl, my character was very broad in a lot of moments, very, but still left of center. It's something that you don't see a lot of Black performers doing where they play completely aloof. And, you know, the stereotype a lot of times is we must be in control or we must be this thing or we, you know, we got to be Denzel and, and just always got his shit together and, but it was like, for me, I like to play left of that slightly and play low status, self-degrading humor, deprecating, self-deprecating humor. And then, and to me, I love doing that. I think it's funny because it's not something that you see all the time. But then after that, go do woke where it's, you're more grounded. You do self-deprecating without, um, without clowning yourself. Right. Without being like, I'm the loser here. Right. Right. You know, like, here's the thing. I like setting people up. Like if I'm roasting, like if we're like on woke, for example, T Murph loves roasting people. Like as soon as you come to set, he's like, man, look at this dude hairline. Yeah. I mean, look at his pants, man. You pay as tight as, you know, he'll do that. So I'll amp him up more. So I throughout the course of the day, I'll call something out that I'm doing just so he can score. You know what I'm saying? And it's, that to me is, it's, it's, it's not real. It's not like a real insult. It's not, it's for the betterment of the scene. You know what I'm saying? It's, I, I love doing that. For more from me and Lamorne, join us over at patreon.com slash show. That's patreon.com slash show. Thanks so much to Lamorne for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., and Dr. Keena Murphy. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. 
Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. 